What is up, Next Level fam? Thank you so much for joining another episode of Health Explained. I'm your host, Alexis Smith, and today we will be talking about pediatric fevers. I have provider lead and nurse practitioner, Lene Gordon, back with me today. This time, Lene is going to give us everything we need to know about fevers, specifically in children. Um, thanks so much for being with me again today, Lene. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So um, let's dive right into it. Um, obviously, fevers arise in the case of many illnesses, um, but they're technically not a symptom of an illness, correct? So, yeah, what's interesting is a lot of parents will bring kiddos in for a fever. Um, I've worked ER for 12 years, and I'll tell you, the majority of the pa- the parents' complaints are they have a fever. Um, mm. But this is a sign of illness, but the fever itself is not the illness. And so okay. I think that we have to differentiate when to be worried. Many are worried about the fever, and that's not always a need for concern. What we care about more is what is causing that fever. Got it. So some people just naturally run warmer than others. Um, At what temperature is a fever actually present specifically in children? So a fever is defined as a temperature of over 100.4, and that's actually taken rectally. Um, So what's interesting is many people, including adults, I hear this all the time, believe that because their normal temperature is 97, that 99 is a fever for them, when in fact it is not. A true fever is over 100.4 rectally. Got it. Is there a reason why, why you might be 99 one day and 97 most other days? Yeah, so we fluctuate our temperatures actually throughout the day. So in the morning, you can have a lower, and in the evening, it can raise up a little bit. It's it's normal for us to have fluctuating temperatures. Also, we have fluctuating temperatures to respond to, like, the temperature in our house or if we're outside or if we yeah. have an increased metabolic need. Like, let's say you just got done exercising, your temp's going to be elevated. Um, and so in and of itself, I'm not worried about the temperature, whether it's 96.9 or 99 on a good day outside of illness because that will change by the hour. Got it. So I've heard you say rectal a lot, and I'm sure that a lot of parents that are listening are like, oh, God. (laughs) Um, But I I want to know, (laughs) what is the best way to take a temperature? Well, I mean, I'm sure many providers can kind of argue about this. Um, (laughs) The most accurate is rectal. And that's the way that I do recommend parents do so. Uh, I think that there's a big fear around doing so. Like, will it hurt the baby? The answer is no. Um, Will you go too far in is another concern. They now make some rectal thermometers that are very short and tell you exactly when to stop so you won't do any harm. Mm. Um, But still, some parents are just uncomfortable doing so. And so if that's the case, that's reasonable. There are ear thermometers and forehead thermometers, but they do vary in their accuracy. Um, If the kid is old enough to hold it under their tongue and keep their mouth shut, then oral is preferred after rectal. Uh, But you have to be aware that eating and drinking cold or hot foods prior to checking it can actually alter that temperature. So that's something that you don't have to worry about for the rectal thermometers. Um, But in and of itself, the thing that we need to know the most is if you're going to check it one way, just stick with that same device consistently so you can compare. So if all you have at home is an ear thermometer, that's fine. Just keep using that every time. So you know, if you're actually having a fluctuation in the temperature. Okay. And so when you do have a fever, 
what exactly is happening in our bodies? Yeah, so a fever is an elevation of the body temperature, and it's a biological response. It is controlled by the central nervous system, and the temperature of the body is controlled by the hypothalamus, which is in the brain. So we'll see an increased heart rate, more rapid breathing, shivering, sweating, and all of this is considered normal. Uh, again, a fever is a sign that there's an underlying disease process, um, and it should be evaluated if an otherwise healthy child's acting ill um, or if they have a fever for more than five days. Um, but just keep in mind the normal temperature varies, like I said before, with your age, uh, with women around their menstrual cycle, the time of day, uh, activity level, etc. Okay. So a fever is a sign, not a symptom. Um, it's not the actual illness, but I am kind of confused because some of the you know side effects that come with the fever, like the shivers and um, the sweats and everything, um, they, they may seem like a, it might make it seem like a harmful thing. So is a fever beneficial or is it actually harmful to us? This is up for debate. So I <laughs> do want to be clear. A fever is very important to the inflammatory response to illness, and it does help our body, body fight infection. Okay. Uh, benefits of the fevers. Uh, it can stop the growth of bacteria and viruses, and it can actually improve the immune function with a temperature up to 104, 104.0. So when we see a fever, okay. we have to try to trust our bodies that it knows what it's doing. It's creating an environment where it's hard for the harmful bacteria and viruses to grow. Where does it become harmful? Um, well, you know, reality is it makes you feel really awful sometimes. Some people have a fever and they don't even know it, but other people react pretty strongly to it and they have body aches and shivering and increased heart rate and they feel really bad. So, you know, with that, I would say let's treat it because no one needs to feel bad with the fever. The other thing, which is going to be hard for a parent to, to know, is if the child's in shock or has a respiratory or heart issue, um, then that increased demand can be harmful. Uh, but most parents know if their kid has an underlying disease process where a fever could be harmful. And so they know ahead of time with their pediatrician what they need to do about it. But otherwise, if your child is healthy, they have no underlying medical disorders, their fever is under 104.0, and they're acting normal, you do not have to treat this fever. It, it is there for a reason. Trust the body. Um, I even tell parents sometimes, just give it an hour. If they're acting fine, let it just let them have a fever for an hour. Get get those viruses and bacteria killed off. Let it do its thing. And then you can treat it if you're just uncomfortable with it altogether. Got it. So arguably, maybe like taking those fever reducers when it's not um, at a dangerous point is, is not a good thing if that fever is working to um, to stunt the growth of bacteria or other harmful organisms, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I, I tell my parents frequently in just the teaching of viral illnesses or ear infections, whatever it may be that they're coming in for, they always ask, what do I, what do, I do for the fever? And I look at the kid and they're running around the room having a good old time at 103 temp. And I'm like, nothing. You don't have to do anything for this fever. It is doing its job. This kid is acting fine. They're eating, they're drinking, they're playful. Let it go. Awesome. Um, and so when as a parent should I be really concerned and seek out medical care? Is it just when it hits that 104 or there's some other uh, things I should be looking at? 
Well, there are some age ranges that we have to be careful with as providers. And so um, I'll go through them, but this is nothing that's going to be memorizable. Um, we get really worried about fevers if the kiddo's less than 90 days old or less than three months old. If anyone less than 90 days old has a fever, it actually has to go to the emergency room and get a full septic workup. Um, so that's okay. one thing to keep in mind is less than 90 days old, anything over 100.4, it needs to be seen by someone so we can make sure that they're okay. Um, otherwise, once we start creeping up to the 102 range from three months to 36 months, it's wise just to get checked to have a have an exam done. We're looking for ear infections that may be bacterial, signs of pneumonia, something obvious that needs to be treated. So what I mean by being concerned about 102.2 is we just need to examine the child, but it's not a reason to be fearful. Um, the other thing is, and again, I think your pediatrician would tell you this, but if your kiddo has... Um, a low white blood cell count, sickle cell disease, they're on chemotherapy, or they've had this fever for five consecutive days, then we need to go ahead and see them. How, however, you can make that happen, whether it's pediatrician, urgent care, if it's middle of the night, and something changes, even the ER. Got it. What are some of your must-knows for parents regarding pediatric fever? I have a list, so I'm going to go through them. <laughs> I'm sure you um, do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a decade of treating fevers here. Um, okay. So in most cases, the height of the fever, meaning how high it gets, is not as important as the other signs of a serious illness. So I care more about what other symptoms does the patient have. Are they ear tugging? Are they coughing? Are they having difficulty breathing? Um, many parents come in with, it was up to 103, as if that's the most important topic. I want to know what it has been up to, but I think people get more worried about the number than they do what's actually happening to the child. Um, another concern, febrile seizures occur not because of how high the temperature is, but how fast the temperature spikes. And we have no control over that. That is very random. And so you, we have no idea which kid's going to have a febrile seizure or not. If you have them in the past, you may be susceptible to them in the future. Um, but that is where a lot of mistakes happen of assuming that the temperature was 104, so that's why they had the seizure. That's not the case. It could simply go from 97 to 102 in, I don't know, seven minutes. And because it went up that rapidly, that's what causes the seizures. Um, another interesting fact is there is no evidence to suggest that a fever over 104 causes brain damage or any adverse outcomes. Uh, this is a belief that's held by many, even caregivers and clinicians. But when you actually look on up to date and check out the research behind it, that that is actually false. Oh, wow. um, it Again, the fever is not the illness. It's a response to an illness. Um, a lot of parents will think that getting teeth causes a fever. Um, it can cause a low grade, but it should never be over 100.4 rectally. So if it is, we need to kind of be on alert for something else that could be going on, whether it's viral or bacterial. So look for other signs that the child's having. Okay. Um, a lot of parents think that the child's teething when they don't have words. And in fact, maybe it's their throat that's hurting because they can drool with a sore throat and drool with teeth as well. So that's where those exams by the provider come in pretty handy. Mm -hmm. um, if the child's healthy, most fevers are not a concern. But you do need to keep them hydrated because if fever goes up and that increases the metabolic demand and we sweat off a little bit more fluids than we think we do. Um, and so we have to keep these kids hydrated, whether it's Pedialyte, their normal milk, their normal water. But just be mindful of it because a whole day could go by where you forget to give your toddler something to drink and then we're behind the gun. Another point 
is um, if you give your child Tylenol or ibuprofen and the fever uh, does or does not respond to the medicine, that does not indicate whether they have a viral or bacterial infection. Um, that exam still needs to be done by a provider. Many parent, parents are worried when a 103 drops down and then as soon as the Tylenol or ibuprofen wears off or maybe it just never kicks in to bring the temperature down that it means they've, quote, got a bacterial infection and that's not the case. It's just our body is smarter than the Tylenol and ibuprofen and it's going to persist that fever to create the environment that's safest for us. Um, I, I personally do not wake up sleeping children to give them Tylenol or ibuprofen. Um, I know some parents are more comfortable doing so. Many ask me if they should. So I feel like if the kid's getting rest and they're sleeping fine, I wouldn't wake the kid to, to medicate. Um, the other thing is your Tylenol or ibuprofen should be based on the kid's weight, not their age. Um, so I would say at the next pediatric or urgent care visit that you have, if you're unsure how to dose, then ask the medical provider and they can weigh the child and do the calculations for you. Um, also, aspirin is never okay in kids. Um, I feel like some people will get confused aspirin and ibuprofen, and they're both NSAIDs mm -hmm. as their class, but aspirin can cause Rye syndrome in kiddos who have a fever, and so we don't like to give them the chewables or any type of aspirin that you find. Okay. Um, if you do treat the child's fever once the med wears off, I do expect this fever to come back up. That's normal. It's okay. Just treat them at their next time frame. Uh, don't dunk them in a cold bath. Uh, at most, a warm, not hot sponge bath can cool them off. Um, a lot of parents use alcohol rubs. That's also uncomfortable. It creates fumes. The absorption isn't safe. Um, so I think in the day, back in the day, like my parents would put me in a tub of ice to oh bring gosh. my temperature down. <laughs> um, but we are no longer doing that because again, back to that febrile seizure, how fast it rises and how fast it drops. So if you drop a high fever into an ice tub and it drops really fast, then it can cause a febrile seizure also. Mm -hmm. Wow, these are really, really great tips. I, I'm actually thinking that it might be worth it for us to go ahead and uh, and put all of these up on our blog just so that parents who um, are interested and want to read more about what you have to say and maybe even print it out for the, the times when they're just stressed out and, and need a quick uh, some quick tips, um, they'll be able to refer to that. These are really great. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's not talked about enough when it's probably the number one thing that we experience as parents with a sick kid is the fever. For um, sure. We can all kind of get past the diagnosis of roseola or, you know, the rash, but it's the fever that induces a fear in parents because then you wonder, are they okay? What's causing it? Are they mm -hmm. going to have a seizure? We have so much fear surrounding this. I'm not sure where that came from, but I think we need to get away from it and start trusting it and becoming more comfortable treating it. And that just takes education on our behalf. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've certainly educated us today. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Is there anything um, that you feel like you haven't touched on you want to add before we um, before we end this episode? Yeah, I think that my last piece of advice is a lot of parents that will be coming into the pediatricians, ER, urgent care, uh, they don't want to treat the fever before they come because they want the provider to see the number and to know that they had a fever. Um, 
I trust you. I trust if they've had a fever. What helps a ton is if you actually check the temperature, document the time and how hot they were, uh, how you took it, whether it was rectal or via the ear, um, and then go ahead and treat them and then bring them in so that they're not uncomfortable and you know, behind. Um, I, th I think that's probably what I've experienced for the last 10 years is parents don't want to treat before they're evaluated. And the fever doesn't change their exam whatsoever. If they've got an ear infection, they're going to have an ear infection with or without that fever. So right. get the kiddo comfortable, um, especially because you're going to be out and about. What if it's chilly outside? They're, then they're going to be in a cold clinic. And so it just creates even more uncomfortable sensations for the kid who's about to have to go through an exam that they don't want to. <laughs> for sure. So that would be my last piece of advice. Love it. Well, thank you so much again, Lene, for being here on Health Explained. Uh, we look forward to, to next time. All right. Thank you so much.